Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help. Hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. When it comes to mental health challenges, everyone has a unique experience. Not all doctor-prescribed treatment plans work for each individual. NARA wants to let you explore natural ways to manage mental health symptoms so you can make your own decisions about mental health care. NARA is the only natural remedies app that has personalized insights and evidence-backed information from clinical trials and wellness studies. Natural wellness begins here. Download Care with NARA from the App Store or visit our website, nara.care. That's N-A-R-A dot C-A-R-E. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this is an episode I'm calling The Power of Projection. And this is really, um, I thought it was relevant to talk about because it's something that you don't really consider as a factor in a lot of situations where I think it is a factor. So this is for anyone who is maybe dealing with a person who blames you or is overly sensitive towards you or maybe you've had a relationship that has broken apart or you are reacting very intensely to a specific relationship in your life. Basically, I think projection is a major factor in all your relationships and also in ourselves. So I wanted to do an episode on this in particular because I think it could be the actual thing that is affecting that person in your family who is not talking to you, who, who blames you, or maybe your partner you're having fights with. So just for anyone who doesn't know, a couple of like top Google result <laughs> definitions from psychology today. I'll put links to these, by the way. Um, if someone has an unusually strong reaction to something you say, or there doesn't seem to be a reasonable explanation for their reaction, they might be projecting their insecurities onto you. Another article on Britannica.com. This is a definition based on Freud's original introduction of the idea of projection. Projection is the mental process by which people attribute to others what is in their own minds. For example, individuals who are self in a self-critical state, consciously or unconsciously, may think that other people are critical of them. Projection is powerful because it is literally how someone views the world. And it's a major factor in how someone proceeds 
in their life course. They basically see their reasoning as valid. And this is like a welcome escape from a person's inner world. If that inner world is, let's say, unhappy to be in. Projection actually relieves that sense. So let's paint a picture of the inner world. A person who is full of shame, who has low self-worth, feelings of self-hatred, unhappiness, that to live in that all the time and feel like it's you, you know, it's your fault, is almost unbearable. So this person will be desperately looking for ways to vent this feeling and unload it and relieve it. So anything that it could possibly be put on outside of them is like, oh, thank God, it's that thing. And when it, when it comes to depression, I would say depression is like more of a, like a blanket effect just because it's like it's bringing you down in energy. But when it comes to like someone who is depressed and also angry, there's kind of a constant state of how can I vent this feeling? It's like a trigger. It's everything is kind of a trigger to release anger. So let's just put ourselves in, the, in those shoes for a second. Let's just think of a moment that you have been stressed or overwhelmed. You might find, you know, in that feeling, someone does something small that you see as like disrespectful and your brain just zeroes in on it and can't let it go and is and it feels like much more powerful and potent another let's put ourselves in a different set of shoes let's think about a time when you are feeling let's say unattractive and when you walk out into the world you go out in this state of feeling your your brain's constantly scanning for people you know to not acknowledge you or you're looking for validation of those feelings or you're looking for any cues of lesser types of attention, you know? So if people are feeling overall low or unhappy in their lives, that translates to feeling pretty angry, you know? And I think when, you know, we're short fused, we feel like others are poking at us more so than when we are resourced. So it's like, it's almost like being in a stress response because your, your threat, any threat causes you to just zero in on it. But I would say it's much more consistent. It's like a way of life. So if a person in your life has a self-definition of less than or worthless, you might see, they might see everyone as seeing that too. So that person's brain is constantly trying to defend against people recognizing that, calling that out, pointing to it. And their their brain is also looking for proof of it. So their brain is always saying like, see, that thing, that person was, was trying to one-up me and I won. Or see, I, I just won. That, that, that conversation, I won it. That person was wrong. I was right. See, see? So it's like constantly trying to argue with that feeling of like, but I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. But as soon as anything validates the feeling that person will explode it feels like an attack that is too visceral like it's like a person that's got raw nerves so in short you can think of a person's lens as seeing the rest of the world based on how they view themselves and that's true for all of us unless we are very very hyper aware of our particular leaning so like a lot of people who um have PTSD, for example, learn to recognize the symptoms of their own PTSD so that they don't get completely taken over by them and they're able to manage them. Sometimes people can do that with this as well. So I would say projection 
is a major issue when it comes to seeing reality and making rational decisions, specifically in relationships. When that person feels shame and low self-worth and any and are sensitive to any form of rejection. So it for them will feel so intense, so hurtful that they def- like they define the act as offensive, immoral, like everything takes on such a greater scale, you know? Any form of rejection takes on such a bigger scale and more importance. So the reason I wanted to do an episode solely about projection is it this can be a defining factor in pivotal moments in a relationship. It alters the future trajectory of family relationships or friendships or romantic relationships because it's like the definitions in one person's brain are vastly different than in another person's brain, if that makes sense. So what what kind of moments am I talking about? Um, A severance of contact from, let's say, a sibling or a parent, even the silent treatment from uh, a friend, a breakup, all of these are moments where, where it feels like an overreaction or it can feel like an overreaction, but in the mind of the person that feels worthless, it feels completely justified. So I just wanted to bring this up because I think that in a lot of relationships where let's say you're trying to stand up for yourself or um, you're trying to state your needs, or you're trying to bring up something you would like to change, if the other person takes that as an attack on them, if they are incapable of seeing your feelings and what they have and claiming what they have done wrong, I would guess you have a case of projection taking the wheel of their brains. And I would say like they're likely or there's a good chance they are defending their dark innards by pointing outwards at the world. I think this happens a lot also with family members where each family member is kind of coming from the place of like, why can't they see what they've done to me? Why can't they try harder to be nice to me? It's like everything is about that person. So if you had a family member who suddenly stopped talking to you or um, you have a family member or a friend who has heavily overreacted to something, um, I would guess that they there's a possibility they are deeply self-loathing or deeply insecure and they have interpreted your actions as at them. And I would say that's like one of the hardest things about having a relationship with a person who is insecure because they are also default self-centered because they only see how they feel about themselves. That's like the main thing they perceive. So they're like literally trapped inside their own heads. It's like the world is populated by their feelings about themselves. And that's kind of a one-noted experience that colors in everything. So you become a colorized version of them <laughs> when, you know, in in that relationship. It's almost like you're not even there. So here's what you can do in the face of an individual in your life like this. Not take it personally and draw firm boundaries so you can take care of yourself. And past that, I have a list of tools for you to use if this is kind of an ongoing relationship or it's something that has come up for you recently. But first, a brief word from our sponsors. Okay, the first tool is called See the Devil Inside. So I want you to basically squint at them from afar and see them as somewhat affected by 
or afflicted by a demon of sorts. I look at drugs as demons. So alternately, you can think of them as under the influence of a crazy, crazy drug, if the idea of a demon is too weird to you. Um, but this thing, whatever it is, it has a hold of, it's got a hold of their body and their mind. So it's not at you. It's not about you. It's not because of you. It's because of something that they are battling inside. And I think that just that visualization, it helps it not sting as much. It's like, oh, that person is suffering so badly. Okay, next tool is a mantra um, or just a thing to hold on to that you can say to yourself if you're in a place of like, I think one of the things that happens is we we feel really guilty or really overwhelmed or really conflicted when conflicts happen. And I think just for yourself, just remember, know thyself. Know where you are coming from. Remember who that self is. All you can do is speak the truth with love and kindness and it never hurts to apologize, even if you're not at fault. And let the rest go. You know you are good. Trust that. Give yourself just the relief of faith in yourself. And that's all you can ever do. Sometimes people are just going to perceive what they're going to perceive. And there's nothing you can really do to alter that. It is what it is. Okay. The next tool I'm calling Apologies for Everyone. I think when you grow as an individual and you do a lot of work on yourself, you get to a place where you're like, I don't, I'll apologize no matter what. I don't really care. Like there's never not a good reason to apologize because it's free. It takes nothing away from you. You lose nothing. And all it does is just lets you stay completely good with you regardless of what's happened. You know, it makes you able to say like, I did everything I could do. And I'm, I'm completely good with me. I'm on complete neutral ground no matter what. So even if that apology is, I'm sorry um, that what I did hurt you. That's it. You're not saying I'm wrong. You're just saying like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that caused you pain. The end. And there's never any, you know, it's weird. Like when you get to a place where you feel good with you, that apology doesn't feel like it's betraying you. In most cases, I'm not going to say like if you had someone that like abused you, <laughs> go to apologize to them. No, I'm just saying like try that on for size. If it feels right to you, that's something to use. Okay, next tool, allow everyone the dignity of their own karma. I think no matter what it is, we get to step back and a form of honor is to allow another person the dignity of living out the life experience that they have chosen for themselves and not talking them out of it, not intervening, not bending over backwards or hurting ourselves or our values to accommodate some different outcome. Like I'm not saying we, we can't help people that are suffering and struggling. I'm just saying we don't have to push, our, push others to have our wishes, our goals, or our hurts in mind when they make their decisions. And so this tool is really more for just accepting powerlessness as a truth and, and embracing it and just witnessing every person as autonomous and having the right to make their own decisions and make their own mistakes, you know? And you can do whatever feels right for you and nothing more. And I think that for me is just really a reminder of 
boundaries. You know, what, what is a boundary and why is it so healthy? A boundary is really being able to see where you end and another person begins and respect that and, and know that that's, that's a healthy thing. We don't want to be piloting another person's hands and pushing their bodies to move through their lives. Like our job is just to move our own bodies through our lives. So now that I've brought up some boundary work, let's get into some specific tools on this front. All right, the first tool for boundaries is I'm calling trace the edge. So this is kind of related to know thyself, but I think think one thing that is super disorienting about a person who projects is especially if you live with them or you're close to them, you can you can start to drink the Kool-Aid and you start to ask yourself like, am I really being irrational? Is it too much to ask for them to not treat me this way? Am I wrong for asking them not to talk to me in this bad way? And the answer is no. Of course you are allowed to do those things. And of course you are justified. But the, the, and that's just the truth, you know, the truth of what you want and what you need to feel healthy and happy exists. And it just is. It is what it is. And so your job is really to respect that truth inside of yourself and let the rest go. So the goal always is to return to the truth of what you know of yourself and really define that for you. It's, the definition is only yours to decide because it's you. And that once you can see that, what, what you like, what you um, require, what your, your bar is for treatment, what you cannot tolerate, when you can see that, you just have to remember this is my edge and then your job is just to see what is not aligning with that and see what is not, uh, what somebody else is trying to overlay on top of that and just recognize it as separate. See the edge of what is you and part of your power, your role, your responsibility, and what is somebody else's belief system, their responsibility, their expectation. So it's just remembering like that, that line exists and I can't talk myself out of what's true for me. It just is, which brings me to the next tool, which is called the truth exists. I already went over this, but like what you want truly, it, it just is. Our, not, our job is not to shift that or to talk ourselves into a new way of being. It's just to get out of the way so we can hear it and and that is just how we can learn to be healthy and function in our lives is really respect what is true for us and what we can and cannot tolerate, what makes us feel good and what makes us feel bad. And then learn to really enforce boundaries around that, that truth. All right, the next tool, it's not personal, it just is. I mean, there's so many <laughs> overlapping themes in these tools, but okay. This one is when it comes to a person who is projecting onto you, you might, you might find that um, they see you as insulting them or disrespecting them or excluding them or talking down to them or you might become the target of blame or very harsh judgment and often this comes completely, it'll be confusing in your own personal experience. So I would just watch out for that feeling of, huh? In your own brain, in your own life experience, in your body, like those moments, if you experience those, 
wait, what just happened? Why are, what's happening, huh? Then you are likely completely invisible to this person in that, in that moment. Like in instances where you're like, I have no idea what's happening, what's going on. That's just something that is going on in their brain that you're not privy to. So the mantra, it's not personal, it just is. It's for them, it's not personal, it just is. But for you, it's not personal um, what you need to do to be safe and healthy. It's just true. It's not at them. It's not a negotiable thing. It is what it is. So our job is to recognize the transaction that's happening and do what we need to do to create a sense of safety and uh, create a basically a form where we can both exist in a way that makes us able to be respectful to one another and thrive. And how we do that, and this is just like almost like a definition of boundaries, is we set uh, standards around how we allow access to ourselves. That's it. That's all boundary work is. It's not at somebody else. It's not hurting somebody else. It's just uh, we are the controllers of access to our brains, our bodies, our minds, our souls. And so boundary work is really being able to see yourself and see what you need from another human being, which is basic human respect. And that's it. Basic stranger on a street, human respect. I mean, I'm putting, this is just for me, like the definition of the bare minimum. You might have a different set of boundaries around completely different values, but I think for everyone in the world, it's, it should be just at the base level, human respect. And I'm talking like the way you treat a faceless being in a a nameless place, if you're sitting next to them on a train, if you're walking by them on the street, if you're buying something from them at a store, it's just basic human respect. And if someone is incapable of giving you that, it is your job to enforce a boundary so that you can maintain your physical and emotional well-being. And that's not personal. It just is. We need basic human respect and safety in order to survive and not degrade our own mental health and our own feeling of value, you know? So if you are a caregiver, that would be the only exception I would make to this this rule or this tool. I think when we become caregivers, we have a contract we make with this other person who is less either less capable, less well, or, you know, or if we are responsible for their well-being, then it's on us to make sure they are okay at all times. So I'm talking about a minor or uh, someone with a disability you're caring for. Maybe it's an elderly parent. But this is a role. If we are a caregiver, we have to explicitly choose that role and then remain in it until we choose not to. I'm talking about if you're not you're not raising a child I mean in that case it kind of applies too but if that person is affecting us negatively we really need to curate the proper support in order to endure that so outside of that all relationships are voluntary at all stages and if someone is not treating you with basic human kindness and respect by tolerating less than behavior you are condoning it to them and also to yourself And our actions are all messages. So by accepting less than behavior and not with no repercussions at all, with no uh, conditions at all, it's 
it's translating into this is okay, I, I accept it. And this is how we slowly destroy ourselves and see ourselves as less than or unworthy. It slowly breaks down confidence and self-love. So it's not helpful to you, but it's, it's also not helpful to them because you're just, all you're doing is like weakening um, you as a resource to them. It's all around, it's a bad idea. And you're accommodating dysfunction too. So let's say this person is hurting you and insulting you or attacking you. You cannot continue to accept the behavior. And by accept it, I mean allow it to occur on your person. Allow it to reach your person. Our actions are our decisions. I'll repeat that again. Our actions are our decisions. So what we say with our words about what we want really doesn't matter compared to what we do with our bodies. What we do with our physical bodies is everything. So if you are in a relationship where someone's not treating you with basic human kindness and you're saying, hey, don't do that. I'm not going to take that. That is not the same as enforcing a boundary. Enforcing a boundary simply means you you take away, you, you control the spigot of on and off of you. Like you control access to the resource that is you. And basically you limit the window of access that that person has to inflict bad treatment upon you as much as humanly possible. So what, I, what do I mean by access? I mean your eyes, your ears, your body, your soul, your mind, your emotional being, your intellect, their access to you. And in a practical sense, what does that look like? It looks like we, we physically remove ourselves we hang up the phone, we do not answer the phone, we do not take the phone calls, we do not have any physical proximity to the person. I mean actual access. The person is not allowed to access you. So I know that sounds weird. Like, well, I can't just cut them off. They're going to find a way to reach me. So I'm just going to describe like, I don't know if you've seen a what I would call like a fancy person walking down the street. A person that has a lot of importance in their energy, you can see in a person like that, their gaze is nowhere. It's like they don't see you, they don't see anyone. No one can capture their gaze or where they are directing it. And I would say that's a portrait of how we become free, autonomous, and self-protective in the face of a person like this. So let's get back to our actions are our decisions. I want to give you an example of how this may play out. Let's say this person in your life is unkind to you. They demonstrate with their actions that they are not respectful of your rights to be treated with basic human kindness, or they just, maybe they don't show up for you, or they blame you for something, or they punish you for something. They do something that violates your standard for treatment. And so you decide, I'm not going to tolerate this behavior anymore because this degrades and hurts me to have this person in my life and I don't want to be treated this badly. So that's your boundary. I don't want to be treated this badly. I don't want to be treated with no respect. Then let's say that same person calls you and blames you, yells at you, demands you apologize, says their side of things, demands you do something for them. Here are two ways we can violate that boundary of ours. One, we answer the phone 
and we listen to that person yell at us. Another way we might violate that boundary, uh, we answer the phone and we yell back, you're wrong and I'm not going to tolerate that. Um, Maybe you even do the thing they're asking you to do. Either way, let's take apart the action we took in this moment. We, We said it purely with our actions. We said, I will engage with you if you are not respectful to me and I will even accommodate you and reward you when you do this. I will give you the reaction you want. I will dignify your thoughts and feelings in in an exchange. So in your mind's eye through this experience, what it often feels like is it's, I had to defend myself and like, well, they couldn't say all that, but it's, you've just betrayed the boundary. You've just betrayed that that decision you've made in that act. You also might feel, well, it's easier for me to do that than deal with the repercussions. And I don't mind it that much because I don't even, it doesn't hurt that bad when they yell at me. Like we have all of these beliefs that are probably completely true, but that has nothing to do with boundaries. All of those things are absolutely true, but they also maintain this loop of behavior happening. And boundaries are truly a superpower. You can control everything in your life by how you control yourself. Everything in your life changes around just that. And I want to call out, I know for a lot of you, you're dealing with ex-partners and you have shared children. And I think, yes, this complicates things immensely when you cannot cut off contact entirely or when you have to have some sort of contact regardless. But I want you to think, if that's your situation, I want you to think of your ears as having screens on them. And they must filter, they're like noise canceling. (laughs) Let's call them earbuds or something. They have to filter out only the objective information that relates to your shared roles and responsibilities. And none of the extraneous static that disrespects and violates your boundaries is allowed to enter. And that's just something that I know it's easier said than done. But it's almost like you have to walk to work in order to get to your office Um, and you have to go by a fence where there's a very vicious dog that's trying to bite you, but you just have to keep your eyes focused on where you need to go. And I think navigating a relationship like this is best done with kind of a, a meditative non-attachment. So if I were in your shoes, I would begin practicing meditations that involve observing noises around you. Um, shameless plug. I think we have, um, a coupon code with the calm app. Try Help Me Be Me if you happen to try out Calm. I know they have some stuff that's about like canceling out or or just observing noises in the background. But anyway, there's a ton of free resources out there. My point is we are the gatekeepers of our being and our soul and we have to decide what is allowed in and who has access to that inner gold. I got, that tool was so long. <laughs> Can't remember what it was. Anyway, next tool is called shit-colored glasses. I wanted to call this idea of projection out for anyone in your life, but I also invite you to experiment with this idea for yourself, you know, meaning just tune inward if you're in a conflict and if you are very upset by somebody else's actions or you're very upset by something that happens in your life, tune inward and ask yourself, am I projecting a feeling of lack or, or fear onto the world around me? Is this, is any of this coming from inside of me? And I think a lot of this is about 
just awareness and feeling into the truth of how we are, where we are at any given time. And I, I, bring, I added this tool because I can recognize um, my own projection the most when I am triggered in very particular ways. And specifically, like when I am, I, I notice it now right off the bat. I almost can anticipate all the ways I will project onto others when I am in very specific states of feeling. And I think those states of feeling are very tied to like, you know, middle school age, high school age, and it's like very tied to specific traumas. So when I'm in that physical state of like lower than, I'm a bad person, um, I will see, I can, everything I look at looks different. Every person, every friendship, every moment is totally filtered through that feeling. And so I really know it well enough now to be like, okay, I, my mantra when I'm in that state is, this is all in my head. I am probably wrong. The opposite is probably true. And really all it is, is just like knowing you're there and not believing anything you see. So recognizing I'm in this physical state of feeling and this is the world based on this emotional state. And I think most important is just stepping back and seeing that feeling as old, familiar, and kind of a pre predictable object that will pass through your body. And just kind of like being okay with that and remembering like this isn't true. This is just for right now. I will see the opposite when this feeling passes. And that at least allows you to not take it so seriously or replan your entire life around it, if that makes sense. Um, so I hope those are helpful. I know I went a little in depth on boundary work, but I think in general, like, I don't think we can talk someone out of their projections because it's like it really uh, it comes down to that person working on the feelings and kind of unearthing them and confronting them, I think with the help of a therapist. But I, I mean, there are all sorts of ways that people can work on processing those beliefs. And I think if there are small changes that can be made in that person's life to help their chemical balance, I mean, that can alleviate a lot of the anger. But I think just keep in mind, when people have anger, it's because they are unhappy. And the reasons they are unhappy could be varied it could be frustrations with uh lack of respect frustrations with lack of resources physical pain uh it could be oppression societal oppression could be uh chronic mental illness i mean there are all sorts of factors that are involved that are not your doing and a lot of them are not things you can solve. So it really is important to focus inward and focus on what you can control and how you can protect yourself and take care of yourself. Because if you are a healthy person who knows where they end and another person begins, you know exactly how to deal with a storm that comes through your, your life. You know exactly what you can help and what you can't. And uh, I think everybody gets healthier through that just that simple perspective it helps everything so before i close i wanted to thank my latest sponsors marianne and christy thank you so very much and a new sponsor on patreon amanda thank you so very much for your support anyone who has the means donations really helped out this show you can head to yaywithme.com or patreon slash there may be 
And anyone who does not have the means, I totally get it. If you could leave a review on iTunes or share an episode with someone it could help, that helps me just as much. So thank you so much. In closing, I just want to call out for a lot of you who are codependent, the process of stepping back from projections may cause you a lot of pain. And I think for most people, this is what keeps us in these kinds of relationships and in these kinds of loops of like accommodating somebody's projections is we have such guilt and such fear as a response. And that is an old trigger that is something just to be very aware of. And so as you start to do this process of letting go of a person that's projecting onto you or not taking it personally, if you have that guilt, just expect it, see it for what it is, and hold and support yourself through that process. I think guilt and fear responses, like old trauma triggers, are what keep a lot of people trapped in old loops with people who project onto you and blame you for everything that's wrong in their life. So just remember, you cannot change how others view the world. You cannot argue with their version of reality, but you can act with love, respect to you and to them and uphold your values. You can demonstrate you are a loving person by how you treat yourself and how you honor the truth. So just remember, I'm allowed to protect protect myself. I'm allowed to take care of myself. There's nothing wrong or selfish about stepping back from mistreatment and choosing to opt out of relationships that hurt me. It's not bad. It just is. Just respect the truth. Sending so much love. I hope this is helpful. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.